You know, guys, when you get to be our age, finding the motivation to get back in shape can be hard. It's just plain tough to find a routine and to stick with it. Good news. FitBod is a fitness app that is anything but routine. It tailors your workouts to fit your life, your goals, your gear, and even your schedule, so you can avoid burnout. And FitBod helps keep up your momentum by mixing in different exercises, reps, supersets, and circuits. Best yet, FitBod has over 1,000 demonstration videos, so you can learn the right way to do each exercise. It's time to ditch the boring routines and kickstart your fitness journey. Add FitBod to your workout essentials. Join today to get your personalized workout plan. Get 25% off your subscription or try the app for free at fitbod.me slash Zabe. That's F-I-T-B-O-D dot M-E slash Zabe. Today on the Zabecast, the last dance wound down to the last episodes, and it's hard to imagine a more compelling documentary. Andy Poland joins me. We'll discuss our favorite moments and debate just how much embellishment is fair game. All that plus a tribute to Phyllis George, a mini NFL crime wave, and Corona madness might be giving way to sanity. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Tuesday, May 19, 2020. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for giving me three days off from the Zabecast. Back in the saddle, ready to go. More stuff than I can jam into a single episode, so I will probably dribble it out during the week. Wait, does that sound disgusting? Kind of. Either way, Malcolm 2020 was a wrap. 18 years running, just a golf getaway for a bunch of men. And to think 18 years has gone by, I was saying to Cowboy Mike as we rode down together, I'm like, do you remember? I said, I took a picture of us the first year, and and I've got it. And it's like, we looked so young. And he said, because we were. We were 35 years old. And I said to him, I go, how do I get to be 35 again? Silence. He said, it's not happening. And I said, you're right. And that's when we said, we are as young as we are ever going to be again, so we better start acting like it. I have to get my health in order, I'll be honest with you. I played like shit. Nobody cares about how I played. Uh, but it, you know, it's not fun when you play golf and you're outside the envelope of your normal functionality. It's one thing to hit a bad shot or two or to make scoring mistakes or to putt badly. But when you hit like seven snap hooks in a row off the tee, it, it, that just... That's not fun right there. My wrists and my hands, I know I talk about using CBD to help with my rheumatoid arthritis, um, but it's, you know, I've got to do all I can. I've got to get on. I've got to get on the most aggressive anti-inflammatory diet I possibly can to support my body and my immune system and everything else to try to hold off on a condition that doesn't get better. It only gets worse as time goes on. Because it's just not fun when you're trying to hit a golf ball and your wrists are stiff and painful and your fingers don't have a lot of strength to them. And, you know, you end up just slapping at the ball. Nobody likes to just slap at the ball. 
you want to get through it and hit it well. What's frustrating is that on Saturday night, I had kind of found something. I realized that I was too quick in transition. And I know you're like, just get to Andy. I don't care about your golf swing. So I slowed it down, and I got into a rhythm. And late on Saturday night, as the sun was going down, I had a spare bucket of balls up on a tee box that was up by the lodges on the right side of the range, this massive wide-open range at Pine Needles. And about a 40-foot drop down to the uh, range itself, tons of targets, flags out there. It was gorgeous. It was so fun. And I hit a small bucket, and I couldn't miss. I was pummeling driver after driver after driver, all of them in the same 10-yard wide window. All of them hit very well. I mean, 15, 16 in a row. Same thing with my 7-iron was flushing them, and I'm like, I got it. I got it. Tomorrow was on. But then I joked, I realized, I'm like, this is going to be like the Costanza model bar in Seinfeld where you go back the next day, where, where is it? What happened? Of course, I couldn't find it the next day. And, you know, Sunday was not very fun. But had a great time. I love organizing this event. I love the happiness of my fellow men unsupervised for three straight days, getting along, drinking, playing cards, playing dice, talking shit, giving each other grief. It's great. It's great. And I admire everybody's attitudes about the game. There's so many guys on the trip who suck just like I do or worse. Some are, of course, better. And most of them have good attitudes about it. They don't get as mad as I do. I I don't get as mad as I once did, but I still threw too many clubs. And I got to stop that. But I like to emulate the guys that I go, you know what? He's got a good attitude about the game. He can hit shitty shot, shitty shot, and then be like, yeah, boom, 30-footer. Take that and get joy out of that. That's what I need to channel into. And of course, the trip goes by in a flash of the eye. A blink. It's so quick now. And maybe it's because we've been doing it for 18 years, so we know the routine of it. Get there Thursday. Get set up. Do the pairings. Friday comes, 36 holes. Bing, bang, boom. And it's it's here and gone. And for me and Cowboy Mike, who are the prime organizers of this, we lament it every year. And I say, well, then the only solution is to organize a fall trip so that we have two a year. And then I started to say, why don't we do three trips? Why don't we do a trip, four trips a year? Four, four-day golf trips a year. One in the winter, or maybe a week-long one in the winter. A four-banger in the spring, a four-banger in the fall, and maybe a week in the summer. And I know it's hard when you got families and kids. You don't have a lot of time off of work, and things are pulling at you. But again, what did I say? We're as young as we're ever going to be again, so we better start acting like it. If this is what I love to do, play golf, I should play more golf. Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. Ever heard of it? Oh, you haven't? Yeah, Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. Otherwise known as Chuck E. Cheese. That's right. Chuck E. Cheese has renamed themselves Pasquale's Pizza and Wings. So people that are ordering through Grubhub and other services don't know that they're ordering out from Chuck E. Cheese. I'd like to say that's Dirty Pool, but then again... If you're dumb enough to fall for it, well, you deserve Chuck E. Cheese pizza. Maybe Chuck E. Cheese pizza is good. I don't know. Haven't had it. If you have had Chuck E. Cheese pizza or er, Pasquale's Pizza and Wings, let me know. The NFL has backed off of a decision or or a move that would have been 
disastrous to even think about. It, it would have been a total joke, and it's kind of a joke it was even considered. The NFL, over the weekend, it was leaked by Jim Trotter. We're going to consider improving a team's draft position if they hire a black coach or a black general manager. I, I mean, are you fucking kidding me? People are like, that's a good idea. How exactly? What's that going to solve exactly? I'm at the point where the NFL should just mandate a specific number and be done with it. Either a quota or they should say every third head coach has to be a minority or every other coach has to be a minority. Now, I know they won't do that because they want this veneer of, well, we want the best person for the job, but we also want minorities to get fair run. And it all comes back to, as always, the whole, you know, fire the black man. You know, there, there have been good black coaches and bad black coaches, just like good white coaches and bad white coaches. Is there still a gap? Is there still a racial component to hiring head coaches in the NFL? I'd say there probably is, but I'm not sure you can legislate it out. Now they're going to fall back on you got to interview two guys for for the head coach position, two two black candidates, and then two minority candidates. I guess it's not just black. Ron Rivera, I think, counts as a minority. Two minority candidates for head coach and two for GM, which will only put more pressure on minority candidates that are token interviews because owners are going to end up hiring who they want to own and whether they're racist or they just have an old boy network that might be white guys more than black guys. Who knows? I'm not sure you can mandate this into existence. I'm not sure when they'll say, you know what? War is over. We declare victory and away we go. And before we get to Andy, the USGA has announced they are canceling all qualifying for the U S open, which has been rescheduled for mid September at Wingfoot in New York. So for the first time, probably ever, the U.S. Open will actually be the U.S. closed because there's no qualifying. They'll use exemptions to get people in the field. There is also a report that they were going to say that there would be no fans at the event. And I just cringe thinking, why? Why would you say that now? I know you might have to erect grandstands. You might have to get things in motion. It happens months in advance. The the tented village for the media and corporate sponsors, that has several months of lead time. You got to cancel at some point if you're not going to spend the money on that stuff. But that said, if you just say to fans, look, sit tight until September 1st and we'll make a go, no go on how many tickets, fans will be fine. And if you have only 10,000 fans, the less the merrier, I'd say that'd be a great viewing experience. We'll see how crazy the country is by then. Uh, the USGA did say later in the day where they've not made a decision yet on fans and attendance, and I say good for them. Wait. Seeing how things have changed so quickly and dramatically in the last week, wait. Give it till July 1st at least. And if these companies that you rent the tents and the you know stands from can't sit tight as well, fuck them. Tell them either you want our business or not. Either you're going to wait with us or you're not. Wait, sit tight, do less, be flexible. Stop canceling shit early. Hello. Hello, 
Pour one out for Phyllis George, Andy. Pioneer and a true Texas dime. My God, was she perfect. Uh, Yeah, I mean, she came along at a time where there was a huge transition in football. And I give a lot of credit to Pete Rozelle, the commissioner, who really understood football. I mean, the pregame show used to be 15 minutes. And then they started doing half an hour. Uh, And at first it was, I think it was only Irv Cross and Brent Musburger. I think they did the show and it was, you know, some news and they'd go out to the stadium, get a little preview from whoever was doing the game. And then it was Roselle who said, "Eh, let's play on the edges a little bit. And they hired this guy, Jimmy the Greek Snyder, who was a, a, a tout a guy who uh, uh, had allegedly set the line for the Super right. Bowl of 18 points when the uh, Colts lost to the Jets. Exactly. Here we go, Andy. Yeah. Dun, dun. Dun, dun, so that was dun. great. And then 1975, they uh, come up with the idea to hire a woman. And they find... Phyllis George, a former Miss America from Texas, who said what she knew about football, she had learned from the athlete she had dated. So she didn't, <laughs> over, didn't oversell herself. Um, and then soon, soon they started putting her on these interviews. And her most famous one was she was when she interviewed Roger Staubach. Right now, Staubach had won the Super Bowl MVP, and in those days, they would give the Super Bowl MVP a Corvette. And he said. You know, I got three kids. Can I turn this in for a station wagon? And they said, really? And he said, yeah, I'd really like to have that instead. So he had a station wagon, and he was very devoted to his wife and his family. And uh, she had interviewed Joe Namath the week before, and he was aware of that. He said, you know, you you just interviewed Joe Namath, and everybody compares me to Joe Namath. But Joe Namath and I like the same thing. Uh, He says, you know, he likes to have a good time. And uh, he says, I I like sex just as much as Joe Namath. I just like to have it with one woman. And it's just much fun. And so that's that's where she made her mark. She got athletes to say things to her that uh, that they wouldn't say to a male. As far as, you know, the idea of off the field, he's single, bachelor swinging. I'm married and family. And, you know, he's having all the fun. And, you know, I enjoy sex as much as Joe Namath. (laughs) Only I do it with one girl. There you go. There is Roger Staubach, that defining moment. Uh, You know, she fit in very well, even though she didn't know football. Like you said, she didn't try to come off as something she wasn't. Right. And Sally Jenkins writing in the post today say that, you know, some would say she was not a feminist, but in a way she was and that she wasn't going to shove it down anyone's throats. It was like, here, I'm, I'm sitting at the table of male football, you know, men, men, men. And it's okay, people. Relax. Yeah, I, I think she did a lot to bring women into into viewing the games. Uh, she just had a, had a right way about her. And, you know, she left after three years and she was replaced by Jane, Jane Kennedy, Kennedy. Yeah, yeah for, for a couple of years. And then they decided to bring her back. But then she had some clout. She said, if I'm coming back, I want a bigger role. So she comes back in 1980. And guess who's jealous of the airtime that Phyllis is getting? The Greek. No. (laughs) Yeah. 
And uh, so after one of the long Sundays, uh, they retire to a bar, Brent and the Greek, and uh, they get into it. And the Greek took a swing at Brent. Brent's a tough guy. And, wow. Uh, yeah. And it was over Phyllis. Phyllis taking up his airtime. Yeah. But Phyllis would stay, though, and the Greek would just have to deal with it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Greek and the Greek, you know, he he was a complete phony anyway. But it it, it worked out well, and you know, he would. The only information he would ever get is he'd call Al Davis, <laughs> and Al Davis would feed him a few things. <laughs> right. You know, I'm hearing here, Brent, that uh, you know Al is very interested in uh, getting another quarterback. <laughs> Came right from Al. <laughs> <laughs> I love those pregame shows, by the way. Bears fumbled away a game to Green Bay, but Walter Payton was in stride. He scored, and he'll be looking to do the same against the 49ers. And live sold out San Diego's Jack Murphy Stadium, where Detroit's Billy Sims will push his sophomore of the year claim sophomore. against the Charger team that has added a ground attack to its already explosive passing game. And now live sold out Texas Stadium where the Cardinals' Neil Lomax will make his first regular season start against the Cowboy team that's won 10 regular season games in a row at home. Guess what year of week two that was, Andy. Come on, show, flex your muscle on your encyclopedic memory. Just hearing those names, what week two, what year was that? I think there's a fairly good chance I was at that St. Louis game with Neil Lomax <laughs> at Texas Stadium. And? So I'm going to... I'm going to guess 1981. You son of a bitch! Unbelievable, <laughs> Andy Poland. <laughs> ding, 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 1981. Oh, God. Do we look back at those shows just because we're old Alta Cockers with nostalgia, or were they actually better in their simplicity? Well well, they, they didn't have the technology that they have now, so the bells and whistles weren't there. The other good thing about it was, it was half an hour. Yeah. Pre-game shows now go three and four hours. Um, you know. We're here for a good time, not a long time. And right. you can get the basics involved. It's like, here's a thought, here's a thought, go through the games. The pregame shows are indeed way too long, but they make money on them. They're money-making machines. They sell the ad inventory for them, despite the fact they don't get very good ratings. Right, right. But the, the, the NFL Today was the pregame show. NBC did one, I think it was called Grandstand, and it was hosted by talented people. You know, Gumble did it, and Costas did it, but it never it never approached the NFL today. I yeah. mean, Brett, Brett knew what the hell he was doing, and he had a great cast there. Yeah. Phyllis George, rest in peace, dies at 70. Also passing away over the weekend at 86, Fred Willard. Yeah. Were you a big Fred Willard fan? Because he was in a lot of things, and pretty much everybody liked him. Yes, he he was very good. I was aware of him before Best in Show and what is it, some of the other things, what is it, Spinal Tap, some of the other things that right. he's done. He was on a show called Real People, which yes! was, which was hosted by Sarah Purcell I remember and that. had Fr Fran Tarkington on it, and um, Byron Allen, who was like twenty years old, was on it. And, you know, it was a, it was I don't think the format would necessarily work now, but it was sort of like America's funniest videos and that they would take you to different places. And this thing happened here and this thing happened there. And right. Say pithy things about it. But, uh, yeah, that lasted a while. Real people. I'm just thinking of that. And of course, Anchorman, he had this classic 25 second jaunt on Anchorman. Oh, come on. 
Right, but I think my son is just going through a phase. I have no idea where he would have gotten a hold of German pornography. <laughs> but you and I are mature adults. We've both seen our share of pornographic materials. Oh, you never have. Uh, of course you haven't. How stupid of me. Neither have I. I was just speaking in generalities. Right, I'll stop by the school a little later, Sister Margaret. <laughs> I've read Martin. where he he had lived a lot of that. Like really? Him, yeah, it was sort of like Larry David. Like they gave him, you know, bullet points of what you want to get to, but he did the. It was no script to it. He did it. He did it himself off the yeah. cuff. Yeah. Meanwhile, Andy, what a crime wave in the NFL over the last yeah. week. When there's no real off-season program, some of these NFL players revert to their natural instincts to get in trouble. And Quentin Dunbar, former Redskin, was involved in what might be the most serious incident, although the Redskins do have a player in Corey Latimer. We'll get to him in a second. But Dunbar and DeAndre Baker, last seen in college dropping the ball at the two-yard line on an interception and getting away with it, allegedly robbed a bunch of partygoers at gunpoint of their $25,000 watches as revenge for losing seventy five grand in a poker game. Both players' attorneys say they were not involved, it didn't happen, and they're confident the charges will be dropped. But that might not be the end of it because the NFL has now stricter guidelines with shield law, as I call it, in regards to suspensions. What are your thoughts? Yeah, from, from what I read, Dunbar was not carrying a gun. Uh, at least according to witnesses. So the charges may be lesser for him, but these are guys who have made a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, Baker had what? $6 million guaranteed off his yeah. contract. And, you know, even Dunbar who wants a new deal uh, has is due to make three and a half million has already made what? 10 or 12 or something like that. Right. So, so, so what they're doing Taking guns for a stick-up of seventy grand? What I, are they thinking? I, I don't know. That's the thing that you wonder about. And in a similar incident, Redskins wide receiver Corey Latimer, who was picked up as a sort of a fringe guy in the offseason, former New York Giant, was arrested for menacing and felony discharge of a firearm because he was organizing a poker game. Things went south. He started getting into an argument, was kicked out of the apartment, comes back with a gun, threatens two guys saying, I've got two bullets for you and I'm going to kill y'all, then fires off a couple of shots in close proximity and the police are called and next thing he is under arrest. Why hasn't new culture who dis Ron Rivera cut this fool already? Well, the agent is saying that there's some crazy extenuating circumstances here. Really? I'd love to hear them. Sooner yeah. rather than later. And if we can't cut a bum like this within 24 hours, do you buy in that there really is a new culture at Redskin Park? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be curious to see what happens. If he's still on the roster uh, at the end of this week, then, yeah, something doesn't seem right. But maybe there is something. I have no idea. I mean, the agent seemed pretty – or it was an attorney. It wasn't even an agent. It was an attorney. Yeah, very, the attorney's very like, oh, yeah, but – he, he didn't say it wasn't my guy. He didn't say it didn't right. happen. He's just like, there are some real aggravating circumstances yeah. here. Oh, really? Right. Well, okay. Well, but we'll but see look, about when, that. I, 
when I heard about the, the facilities being closed two months ago, I mean, who, who couldn't have seen this coming? You know, I mean, right. this was this was the other thing. And now with with this poker and now actual shots being fired, what Gilbert Arenas did bringing guns <laughs> in the locker room seems tame now. You know, <laughs> this is like the next level. It kind of does. It kind of does. It was quite the Monday in terms of sports news and coronavirus as both New York and Cuomo and California with Newsom said, oh, 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 yeah, no, we're going to we're going to work with sports teams to be open this after Arizona, then Florida, then Texas today all started signaling the hey, come on, come on. Do you feel good about football in the fall, Andy, at least at the pro level? Uh, I, I, am still hesitant about that. I think, I think it can happen. Um, but I, I still think there's going to be a battle over money in this, uh, like in baseball and in of course, football? The players, but yeah, I think the players always lose in this, but yeah, I think the why is there a come, battle over money? Well, because the owner, the owners can come to the players and they can say, Hey, you know, we've got extenuating circumstances here. We're not getting now. They're getting a lot more TV money than baseball, so maybe they can't afford to fly. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it 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 just seems now. Now, Mayor Bowser says that she's looking forward to the possibility of having the Nationals play at Nats Park this year. So, and this is you know, the Redskins would be Maryland. So we'll see what uh, Larry Hogan, a Republican, who I like, by the way. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Well, la di da. Andy <laughs> yeah. likes a Republican. How about them apples? This this one, yes. Uh, that uh, that we'll see. But yeah, I, you know, look. here's here's what I just it drives me crazy. Baseball puts out, well, they don't put out, but it leaked out their plan for safety. No sunflower seeds. No spitting. You can't chat at first base. No showers after the game. But the most ridiculous of all was the no lineup card exchange. Get the fuck out of here with that nonsense. This is a case of these leagues, Andy, trying to appeal to the most Karen of Karens out there. Like, oh, you can't have that. There's no scientific basis for it. Well, you know, there was an outbreak of this disease when two teams exchanged a piece of paper between two managers. It's theater, it's nonsense, and I don't think it serves the leagues well They should just say, look, we're going to play games without fans. We're going to test our guys. We're going to use precautions. And if a guy tests positive, we're going to put him to the side. And that's that. We're not going to get into the weeds on things as minuscule as this because you can't satisfy the Karens of the world that want to know, well, what are you going to do about this? You touch this. I touch that. I think it's counterproductive, but that's just me. Let me suggest this. What if you put out this comprehensive 67-page booklet and you turn it over to the Centers for Disease Control and you say, look, we're accounting for everything here. And they look at it and they flip through it and they say, huh, okay, looks I, good. I think that's Go play the, ball, boys. I, you know what? Fuck the CDC. And don't make them the commission of your league. Never give up control. The CDC will get in there, Andy, with their fingers and go, well, we don't like this. We don't like that. What I've been saying on this podcast, which I'm sure no owners are listening to, but I've been saying, careful, if you let them in the door, they'll run your league for you. They will micromanage it down to the last detail. And you don't have to do that. Don't bow to public opinion like, well, you better consult with them. Do what you can do legally and then let make them force their way in and shut you down in certain regards. Because if you try to get their approval, I mean, look at Fauci. He's like, I don't want to ever shake hands again. We shouldn't 
send kids to school in the fall. It's May. But Fauci, Fauci has said that he thinks baseball can be played, and he thinks that football can be played as yeah. well. He's, and you, he's and you know what I think? He ain't the fucking commissioner. He's no, he's one not. Man he, with one man's medical opinion, I wouldn't let him run my league if I was an owner, but that's just that. Uh, the golf this weekend, I saw there was, you know, they only had like 12 people with the Dustin Johnson and Rory and Ricky and Matthew Wolf mm-hmm. group. They had one female production assistant walking around with a group who had a mask on. Yep. A mask on Sorry. in the middle of Jupiter, Florida, or not Jupiter, but Palm Beach County. Juno, yeah. Florida. Whatever. In 85-degree heat, where coronavirus doesn't survive outside in the UV, with everyone tested, Andy. She's wearing a mask. Well, better safe than sorry. You know, look, and also... Oh, God. Are you and, serious? And, better and, safe and, than sorry. It It's not proven to stop anything. I'm not a medical expert. I couldn't tell you that one way or another. Fauci just, said that. He said you shouldn't be wearing masks back in March. He, Have you not seen that? He, he's, but he's now started to wear a mask. Yes, at his news conference the other day, which on. makes him a phony, is what what he makes him that. He's well, changing his opinion. Everything has changed. People have looked at different scenarios and they've looked at different results, and they've determined that a mask is okay. necessary. Look, Andy, I, Andy, pardon. that mask the woman was wearing was not an N95 mask. It was just a surgical mask. Okay, well, I just wear a bandana when I go shopping at the Giant at 6 a.m. on Sundays. You know what, Andy? If, if, if that's Listen, uh, here's my stance on masks. If stores require it and I've got to go to the store, I'll wear one. Fine. I yeah. do it out of courtesy. That's fine. But otherwise, your bandana is also not protecting you from anything. But it, it may be protecting other people. Only if you cough and get a, b- a bunch of schmutz out there, as the <laughs> saying goes. Well, I've been sick since 85, so I don't think there's much risk of that. <laughs> Did you? Can I play for you the Fauci mask soundbite? This is which one? Now, the recent one or the one from March when things were not as certain it as they are now? does it from March. Okay. Well, that's when they didn't know as much. They, they're learning. This You're is, telling is... me Anthony Fauci, infectious yeah. disease guy for 40 years, learned something new about masks and their efficacy in two months. Yes, uh, with a disease that they've never encountered before. Oh, Andy. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. It's more. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There you go. But that's March. Things have changed. No, they haven't changed. His logic back then is the same as it is now. It it doesn't. It's a droplet, if that. Yes, but they found that these droplets can stay in the air for eight minutes, I read the other day. Oh. All right. Well, anyway, we'll let, let's move on. Last dance. Last dance. What do you think of the last two episodes, Andy? Fabulous. I, I think that, that I, I love sports documentaries. This is the best I've ever seen. You know how early I go to bed. It's 1045, and I look at the clock, and we're in a commercial, and I say, damn, there's only about 10 more minutes of this to go. That sucks. I, I really loved it. Great storytelling. A lot of BS in there, including – You think the pizza <laughs> – no, I'm not buying the pizza story. No, uh, me neither. And there's, more, 
and, and there's more that they, they, was in there too that, that the director, Jason Iyer, said that when the pizza was brought in, Jordan spit on it so nobody else would eat it. That that's oh, how. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's how nobody else. He said that the other guys, the the, the crew that he had, the retired cop and yeah. the bodyguards who were looking after him, they had gone out to eat, and I guess he he wasn't able to do that because he's Michael Jordan, and they didn't bring him back a doggy bag. So he was pissed, and he said, "Get a pizza." And he said, "You guys are not getting any of this." And spit all over it, and then got sick. So I I, I don't. I mean, it, it could be it could be something else. It's a convenience story. Uh, it makes, it, I guess it makes a little bit more sense. He may have had the flu. He may have been hung over. Who knows? He may have been hung over. <laughs> the, the one, the one that got me the, the most though, was the story that Jordan told about when he was playing baseball and he went to visit the Bulls facility to say hello yes. to Carl Malone yes. and that Brian Russell, a rookie said something to the effect like, why'd hey, you Mike, quit? Yeah, you're 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 retired because you're ducking me. Okay, <laughs> that if he said that, he, he would have been out of the league like two days later because because he would have been a complete moron. He had about a twelve year career and oh, he yeah. actually played played with Jordan for a year with the Wizards. He, Jordan brought him in, so that I think was totally invented. <laughs> and did you ever hear anything else about Brian Russell being a mouthy idiot other than what you heard last night? That's a good point. I never thought of that. I, yeah. I only thought about the pizza story. Like, look, it's a great story. It might be true, but I'm not eating that story. Just like nobody else ate the pizza. If you right. want to eat that story and enjoy it, that's great. The The Brian Russell thing is interesting because who was not interviewed for that seminal moment in sports history? Yeah, he refused. Yeah, he and Carl Malone both refused to interviews for that. Refused? Yeah, I read that. They they were asked and, and decided not to. What if uh, Malone uh, refused and they just forgot to call Brian Russell because he might go, I never said that about Jordan. No, I think that's something you have to check on because, no, the shot is, is. What do you mean that you have to check part- on? If Brian Russell is going to dispute a key part of the documentary that you're working with Jordan on, they're just going to not include it. They're not going to let right. him introduce exculpatory testimony that would ruin a great storyline. You agree that the storyline of Brian Russell saying, hey, man, why are you ducking me is a great element. So if he comes on camera and goes, I never said that, now it's ruined. Yes, but you you would not include that. You, you just wouldn't include okay, his, but then, his rebuttal. Yeah, I, just, I think this was, look, it was a very entertaining, amazing thing. But I think it was very manipulated to obviously tell the story that Jordan wanted. Oh, yeah. The, the, the producers are, are his, his Cosa Nostra. It's it's Esty Portnoy and Curtis Polk. They, yeah. They've been handling him for years. They're they're Falk people. It doesn't and, and it yeah. doesn't make it any less spectacular. Uh, my yeah. only the only thing. Oh, oh, how about how about the line with uh, him and Bird? You bitch, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> I yeah, said but, I said that is how men say to each other, "I love you." That's right, the right. equivalent of I love you. You bitch, fuck you, and now go work on your golf game. As Larry Bird has that wry smile, like, "Yep." beat us again yeah that's that's what that is is two guys who can look at each other and they're speaking a language that the rest of us can't understand because they're so far above it's like a very famous gay talese story where marilyn monroe had entertained the troops in korea 
And there were thousands of thousands of soldiers and they cheered her. And she came home to see her husband, Joe DiMaggio. And she said, oh, Joe, thousands and thousands cheering for me. You can't imagine what it was like. And he said, Marilyn, yes, I can. (laughs) (laughs) Would you have liked to know what Jordan's poem essentially said before they burned it? Or is that uh, is that go against the mont or does that go against the whole point of keeping it amongst those in the inner circle and then burning the words you've written down? I don't think that'll get out, but I would if there was a bet to be made, I would bet there's some profanity in there. <laughs> but they said how they're like, wow, Jordan's really thoughtful and sensitive. I said the poem must have been roses are red, violets are blue, but I kind of took that personally. Yeah, because <laughs> that that came up a million times in the documentary. But that's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. What what uh, the net net of the whole documentary would be what? Is that we got a look at, behind the curtain at at how this incredible dynasty happened. I mean, this is this wouldn't have happened with the Boston Celtics who had the eight straight. Um, you know, I don't think I don't think any of this footage is being shot with the Patriots, but I wonder if that ever got out the great dynamic between yeah. Brady and Belichick, you know. So this this was an opportunity to see stuff that's that's unbelievable. I mean, the, the shot they had last night of Jordan on the bench with a cup to his mouth so people can't read his lips saying to Steve Kerr, Steve, look, you're, if you're open, I'm getting you the ball. And then, right. and then Kerr saying, oh, I'll be ready, Mike. I'll be ready. <laughs> that, that's incredible yeah. stuff. That's no, just great. It is good stuff. Uh, the, the, the footage that they got, towards the end was some really gorgeous film footage of the game in slow motion, which presented beautifully. What frustrated me, and I'm sure it did the producers, was so many iconic moments of Jordan's career, like the dunks in the 84 All-Star Game dunk contest Mm -hmm. are of such terrible quality. Yeah. And that's the best moving picture footage we have from Jordan's early career. Except that, well, late career though. You you know what's coming Wednesday on ESPN, don't you? No. This is this is right in your wheelhouse. You got to Google this. They are going to do Game Six, the movie, with. Are you ready for this? Nineteen ninety eight HD footage of that game. What? Yes. Who filmed it? it? Uh, whoever was doing it. I, I okay. don't know. It, um, it had to be it had to be film stock, which is essentially high definition and developed. It's mm-hmm. probably a lot of the footage that we saw, but yeah, I'll, okay. So that's Wednesday, the game six, uh, the last dance shot. I mean, the shot was perfect. It's too bad he ruined it here. And was there anything he could have done here that would have not put such a a, a shit stain on his career, like his tenure here with the Wizards? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was the perfect ending. Look at look at what he's it done was. since look at what he's done since that shot went in. He had this tumultuous run with the Wizards where he was a horrible executive, though he did get rid of Juwan Howard. And then he had two years where he wound up leaving with everybody hating him and driving away with the Illinois plates on his car after a Poland fired him. And then he he buys an NBA team where he's had a mediocre run. I mean, this is this is not Jordan, the player, the, the one who would never accept this. He's become a, just a run-of-the-mill owner with a run-of-the-mill team. Yeah. You know, it, it's not it's not who he was. All right, Andy, good to talk to you as always, and uh, we will chat next week. I hope you got some nice plans for Memorial Day Monday. 
Oh, yeah. We're going to have like uh, 300 people over here for a barbecue. <laughs> Are you going to do anything? Uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, we we, uh, we usually have big Father's Day bash. So I don't think that's going to happen. So, yeah, it's just uh, business as usual for a while, I think. All right, Andy. I'll talk to you later. Thanks, buddy. All right, Zabe. Take there care. There you go. Can you tell? I'm just shaking my head. Just shaking my head slowly back and forth. Andy, Andy, Andy. (laughs) That was in March. Suddenly now Dr. Fauci knows the value of masks. Two months later. His whole lifetime. His whole career. Oh, no, no. Masks are, oh, we got to have masks now. It was a remarkable Monday of movement on a number of fronts, as you can tell now, some of these states, the more restrictive ones, either A, they're looking at the numbers going, we can't hold on much longer. Percentage of positive tests continue to decline. The availability of tests by state continues to grow and grow and grow. I mean, they're they're having to beg people to get tests pretty much everywhere. New York, Cuomo at his press conference is like, here, watch, I'll take a test and, you know, quick swab, that's it. I've been told by people who have had the test, that's bullshit. What Cuomo showed was not how the test really feels, that it is 10 seconds of poking your brain, and it is not pleasant. So who knows if he was just doing that for show. Like, yeah, it's easy, come get a test, and then you get the test and jam it in there. But there's tests everywhere to be had right now. It's May 18th. There's going to be even more tests, and nobody's going to come get them. You're going to have to force people to get them. But people are going to resist saying, you can't force me to get a test. They're going to probably try to tie it to going back to work while you got to get tested. But then people are going to say, why? It's only good for one day. I could get the Rona tomorrow. You're going to test me every day? Well, we want to test once a week. Oh, yeah? Who's going to pay for all that? And pretty soon... Governments are going to say, well, we can't afford to keep testing everybody this much. And employers already hammered because of this lockdown are going to say, we ain't got the money to do it, and they're just going to let it go. Just like these rules in baseball, they're going to start out with like no lineup cards. And then eventually they're just going to go, yeah, that's fine. And I do believe there's going to be fans back in the stands by the end of the summer. Sometime around September, they're going to start letting fans back, maybe even sooner than that. Who knows? Uh, and they're going to let them back in a limited fashion. And, they're, you know, they're going to, you know, ramp it up. But I'm serious about don't let, you know, these government agencies or Fauci or anybody micromanage your sport. Keep your sovereignty because they will stick their fingers in there, in the pie, and they will they will make your life miserable. They'll make you do dumb shit. So here was a great interview it's with Swedish scientist Johan Gesecki. He's the guy who said, and he's proven to be the rightest one anywhere about this whole pandemic, who said, yeah, Sweden, we're not locking down. We're going to take reasonable precautions. We're going to tell our citizens, look, you probably should lay low just a bit. Don't do this. Don't do that. But we're not going to crater our economy because of this. He was on Australian TV. Australia has had very... Low numbers. They got on this early. They were very strict. But basically, Gasecki tells them that, hey, you know what? Congratulations. You're fucked. You stamped out the virus. Now what are you going to do? 
He said, what are you going to do for the next 30 years? Shut down your borders? But I guess that's your problem, I guess. Here he is, Johan Gusecki on Australian TV. Sweden has avoided the sort of lockdowns that we're seeing here in Australia. Tell us your thoughts. Are lockdowns the correct way to go? You introduced me by saying that I would, would say that you got it all wrong. I don't think you got it all wrong, but you painted yourself into a corner. And I'm watching with interest how you and 100 other countries will climb out of the lockdown. <laughs> because I don't think any government that I know gave a minute's thought about how they would get out of the different lockdowns. Boom! Boom! Didn't give one minute of thought. Well, how do we get out of this? Goddamn right. Nobody thought that. Take your school closure, for example. If you close the schools, when are you going to open them? What's the criteria? I don't think anyone thought about that when the closure was, was decided on. Now, Johan, you said that you think the results are going to be similar across most countries, regardless of the yes. approach they've taken. Can you take us through that? Seeing is a tsunami of a rather mild infection spreading around the globe. And I think there's very little chance to stop it by any measure we take. Most people will become infected by this, and most people won't even notice. We have data now from Sweden that shows that between 98 and 99% of the cases have had a very mild infection or didn't even realize they were infected. So we have this spread of, of this mild disease around the globe, and most of it is happening where we don't see it. It's among people that don't get very sick, spread it to someone else that doesn't get very sick. And what we're looking at is a thin layer at the top of people who do develop disease, an even thinner layer of people that go into intensive care, and an even thinner layer of people who die. But the real outbreak is happening where we don't see it. Boom. Right there. Johan Gesecki. Meanwhile, we got Fauci suddenly appearing with a mask for the first time with Burks. That drove me over the edge. Oh, look. Fauci and Burks now have masks on. Well, that's interesting. And God bless Andy, but he's like, well, they know more now. Do they, though? So in other words, what are you going to do? Shut your borders for 30 years? I mean, this thing is going to rattle around for a while. It's going to run its course. How are you going to handle this? Did any government think, well, all right, well, we can lock down, but how are we going to get out of it? In America, we're finding out states want to get out of it by micromanaging every little step of the way. In Wisconsin, Governor Evers saying, well, other stores can open only five customers at a time. And then they lose in the Supreme Court. His stay-at-home order expires. And they immediately, in Dane County, where Madison is, and in Milwaukee City itself, relock down. Why? Tell them what they won. Another week of economic damage. Congratulations. Because nobody in those areas couldn't drive just outside the county line to go get done whatever they got to get done. But you got to do it. Well, we got to back up the governor. And the governor decided, I guess, Monday, well, we're not going to fight this thing anymore because it's just going to waste time. So it looks like for now they're giving up. And other states are following in their footsteps. California and New York, Gavin Newsom and Cuomo saying, oh, yeah, sports. Yeah, we can do sports. It's going to be interesting these next couple of months. Uh, The numbers are going to keep on declining. And speaking of the numbers, it's crazy the different ways – It's like 50 different states are playing a game of baseball with different rules, where some states are like, well, we count hits as runs and runs as runs, and home runs are two. 
but foul balls are minus one-tenth of a point. Oh, potential spam. Shut up, phone. Stop calling me. Here's a, here's a quick excerpt from a story in The Atlantic. Other differences make it hard to track the pandemic. In at least three, three other states, officials have lumped together probable and confirmed COVID-19 deaths. Most don't specify how they're counting them. Most states report the number of people who have been tested for the coronavirus. Six states say they track the number of samples that have been tested. And in California and New Jersey, they switched methods in the past couple of weeks. Switched methods in the past couple of weeks. Changing the rules of the game in the middle of the pandemic. And you could say, well, why? How come the federal government can't mandate reporting? Well, it's federalism. It's part of the it's part of what saved us in this, thank God, is that certain states, Georgia and Florida and Texas, said, fuck it, we're doing this. And man, the hysteria and the fear porn. I mean, of course, I quote the Atlantic. I think the Atlantic was the one that said that had a column that was titled Georgia's Experiment in Human Sacrifice. I've told my wife, I said, I want to go down to Georgia and spend some money. I want to go rent a place in Georgia. If anyone that knows a good place down by the water in Georgia, I really feel like I got to go down to Georgia, spend some money, reward that state, reward the governor for having the balls to come out of this. Thank God for them and the couple others. I mean, it's just madness all around, and somebody has to call it. Portnoy's rant on Friday was great. It helped turn the culture. Oh, this is great too. Dana White with this when it came to a New York Times article on, well, they had precautions for MMA, but we didn't like the execution because Joe Rogan was in the ring and Joe Rogan shook hands with fighters. Uh, There was an article uh, in the New York Times today that was very critical of the execution of... Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. You know (laughs) what happened with that guy? Fantastic. That guy who's never covered the the sport ever before was writing a story about um, Endeavor. And then the UFC was one of the Endeavor, you know. And, and, and what do you think happened when this guy who, in this paper, covered the UFC when they'd never covered it before? What do you think happened? The fucking story was huge. They did killer traffic. Now, now they're writing stories three a week, and they're putting posting live results. I don't give a shit what that guy thinks, what he has to say, or what he writes. Good for him. He's, he's pulling good traffic. Do you not worry about the, like, the, the, the... I don't give a fuck. Yes! Fair enough. Yes! Yes! Now, he can do that, whereas Roger Goodell can't. These leagues do have to step carefully, and they got to walk a fine line because they'll be out to attack if if they're not careful. But that really felt good. There is a story from Massachusetts where a woman came upon a crew that was spray painting orange arrows on the sidewalk to indicate what direction people were supposed to walk. And she properly blasted it for being absurd and ridiculous. She did call it communism and fascism, which it isn't quite that. But it was ridiculous, to be sure. 
Uh, let me find that audio for you. I'm, I'm scrolling through. I've got so many things that I'm like, where did I put that one? Where did I put one? Because it keeps coming. Colorado, by the way, had to uh, reduce their deaths because somebody sued saying, how the fuck are you coding these deaths? Somebody had a .55 blood alcohol content, and they coded it a COVID death. I mean, are you kidding me? So they quickly dialed that down and said, yeah, it's about 25% less. And on and on and on. The political correctness and, you know, entities just like, oh, we got to do something. We got to we gotta control this. We got to control that. Nobody stops to think, is this really wise? Does this make any sense whatsoever? In the case of the sidewalks in Massachusetts, they're not going to have these ugly orange arrows that are going to take forever to fade unless they spend more money to hire professional crews to come out and take them off. It's ridiculous. Why can't I find this? If only Twitter had a way to file things, you know, label them, just have folders, and I could put the, I could create a file which says utterly ridiculous coronavirus things that have been tried or are being done around the country. Of course, the file would probably overflow with stories. My, my finger's getting tired here scrolling for this. Oh, by the way. Yeah, I know. I should have had it before the uh, podcast was up. Uh, parks in Manhattan that have circles drawn on the grass. Stay inside your circle. Social distancing. Oh, yeah. Isn't that great? Oh, I'm telling you. Just give me four more scrolls down. I'm just looking and scanning. Uh, baseball scores here. Uh, not with baseball scores for you just yet. Mm, TikTok video. Oh, God bless America. Oh, yeah. Here's a sign. COVID testing in the rear on a orange traffic cone. Somebody said, well, that's new. I thought it was a nasal swab. Oh, bing, zoom. Very funny. Okay, I got it. I got it. Took long enough. All right. This will be the last thing. Then we'll be done with the coronavirus insanity for today. But there'll be more insanity tomorrow. Don't worry. What are you guys doing? For people to walk in one direction? Okay, this this is insanity. insanity. You know this. What the? God, this is crazy. It's nice concrete sidewalks, nice white picket fences, stone driveways, and now there's big-ass orange arrows painted on the sidewalks. I, who, who's the um, town manager for Swampscott? Swampscott. And I, I bet he supports Charlie Baker. Oh, my God. So people, now what happens if I don't walk and what if I do this? And I, and I will, because this is what I'm going to do. What, do I, what happens if I do this? What do they do to me? <laughs> she starts walking the wrong way. By the way, here comes a couple of masked Karens. Actually, a Karen and a Neil, a couple. In masks, walking the other way. This is insane. I know you guys are doing your job, but this is insanity. This is tyranny. That's what this is. This is communism. Communism. Come on. This is communism. No, it isn't. I have a double masters in nursing. What kind of health is this? You're going to get a... a, You're going to get... You're going to get a COVID from walking down the street? (laughs) 
<laughs> this is insane. Look at this. Two people who are together walking with a mask. And they're fine. Thank God this woman has some sanity, no mask on her. And they're fine with, with what's going on here. Spray painting arrows on the sidewalk in Swampscott, which means that if, if you are walking in the wrong direction, if you walk... I, I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. Get arrested for walking in the wrong direction. All right. Swampscott. There you go. That'll do it for us today. For us. For me. Thank you for listening. Thank you for giving me three days off of the Zabecast. I needed that Monday day to recuperate and to get back into it. Sports are starting to come back. It's going to be a hell of a ride this summer into the fall. And I am fully confident and optimistic that sanity will prevail in the end. But, man, it's been a hell of a fight. Thanks for listening. Have a great Tuesday. And we will see you next time. Cause we're like a team Living inside a dream You and me